0: Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. We're so glad you're here to join us for what is apparently episode number 58. We are super excited to have Ty Park joining our crew tonight. Um, so as always, we've got Anthony and Kevin and myself, Steve. Um, Ty, we're so glad you're here um, to talk about your passion for turtles and iguanas and uh, your exciting venture building iguana land. Uh, so thank you for joining us.
1: You're welcome, and I'm really happy that actually you guys asked me to do this. Um, You know, more than PR, I want to talk about my passion. You know, I've always loved that. And um, I think this is a great venue to do that. And, um, you know, um, I was a turtle guy before I was an iguana guy. Um, But unfortunately, I had a big fire at my house and I lost my turtle collection uh, back in... I believe it was 2004 or something like that. So when that happened, I, I could literally... I had a problem actually looking at turtles. Uh, it was really devastating to me. Yeah, and, I understand. That. Yeah. And it brought tears to my eyes, when, you know, so I kind of got out of turtle completely. And But I gradually, you know, Kind of got back to it, and right now I probably have about twenty. I think I have about two dozen species of many tortoises. Um, uh, most most of my rescues. Um, I'm not really into breeding them right now. I just want like to have them. So I'm not really a diehard turtle guy yet. I used to be. I'm more like a you know diehard lizard guy now. But um, recently, I'm really I caught this bug and. Um, I really want um, this Iguana land to focus a lot on colonias. okay? That's my focus right now in building. Um, we're probably going to build uh, between 150 to 180 turtle enclosures. Uh, yeah, and it'll be the, probably the largest turtle facility of its kind in the world. That, that's my goal. Um, I've been working with uh, some of the experts in the, um, in the field, um, you know, Chris Hagen, and, uh, James and, of course, uh, Bob Kraus. and I've been consulting with them, and they've been helping a lot with uh, what kind of cage I need, what kind of habitat I need, you know, how, much, how big the pond should be, things like that. So, I mean, kind of like a beginning stage of building. Well, I'm probably done maybe a fifth of what I really want to do, um, but it's really exciting. Um, I want to be the largest colonial center in the world, species-wise, um, mm-hmm. and I want to show people when they come to visit um, the the total diversity, right? That's one of the things. And of course, education is very important to me. Conservation is very important to me. I talked to you guys briefly before we came on air about uh, maybe running any... Um, you know, Turtle Fest to raise funds and uh, Things like that are very important to me and hopefully my goal is to raise about $100,000 for trillion conservation every year at this zoo So and I think it's very doable uh, We and the first year when we did the Iguana Fest we raised $62,000 uh, The second year I believe we raised fifty four. So it's not a small chunk for conservation and I think um Uh, You know, it's very helpful, you know, especially to some of field scientists who have hard time getting funding, right? Can I ask
2: for for those who haven't been to Iguana Fest? Can you speak a little bit about what that's like? Um, I know it's a big deal and you know a lot of people who are personal friends of mine go um, Have gone year after year really appreciate the opportunity to be a part of it I hear a lot about the auction and how yeah, that raises money, and how exciting it is for people, and things like that. Can you speak a little bit about Iguana Fest for people who haven't Yeah, having, had sure.
1: Um, basically, I copied it after I went to a couple of uh, uh, gate. Uh, um, I'm sorry, the um, Crock Fest. Right there's a spring and, um, and and some summer and winter Croc Fest, and I, I've been attending those for a while. And I decided, you know what? Look, why don't I do this for Iguana? And so. So they do need help. Um, out of, um, uh, I think like 86% of all the iguanas are like threatened or endangered. Which we're not talking about, you know, most people talk about iguanas, they talk about green iguanas. Obviously, I'm talking about a lot of these um, island iguanas, like things like Fiji, Fiji iguanas, some of these Cycloris, and some of the Tinosaurus. <clears throat> so, um, yeah, I mean, I, I think we've been one of the uh, probably. Only commercial facility that really concentrate a lot on conservation work, uh, so I'm really happy about that, and I want to copy that and do that for turtles also. So that's great.
0: So um, one, you know, one question: since you know, um, you're you're building a zoo, um, are you aiming to be accredited by? Um, the uh, either the Aza or the what's the other one? Um, Zaa the ZAA. Is there one of them that you're targeting?
1: Um, that's not my focus right now. Maybe down the line. Um, you know they're, they're good and bad to joining those organizations. Right. And I'm kind of. Uh, I don't want to be tied into anything. Uh, you know, as as a um, independent. I could do things without, right. you know, worrying about the rule. I mean, the the, the rule that they have, uh, you know, their, their institutions do. And I don't think I'm ready for that yet. I uh, just want to pursue my dream and build it the way I want it and uh, share my ideas and uh, my goals. And I don't want to be sidetracked by joining one of those organizations. But having said that, I see my. I don't. You know, I see myself joining them maybe five years from now, maybe ten years from now when I'm ready. But uh, at the beginning, though.
0: No. Yeah, so I was just curious. It's you know because it's something we've actually talked about um, inside the Turtle Room as we think long term as well. Um, so I thought it'd be interesting to get your your thoughts.
1: Yeah, I think there's a couple of different uh, ways to be uh, 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 to join. I guess the Aza one is. I think it's being affiliated and not a member. Right, a re- yeah, uh, related facility, yeah. Right, exactly. That's something that I might pursue, but I don't think I I, I don't think I'll ever be an A Z A facility.
0: Yeah.
1: not really my goal. Um I wanna be able to do things they kinda prohibit you from doing. Like I do like I wanna do a lot, lot of education where it's got to be hands on. Um right. I, I want people to touch animals. Which Zoo uh, doesn't allow. So, I really want to do a lot of that. So, that might not be in right. tune with some of the AZ what AZA wants us to do. So, I want to stay independent as much as possible. Awesome. Makes sense. Right? Now, with all the
3: construction going on at Iguanoland, when do you foresee like it actually being finalized? <laughs> now, it's it's going to be a forever growing process, but.
1: I've been telling people six months a year, year ago. You know, um, <laughs> it's it, it. There's a lot of challenges uh, that I have not foreseen. Um, you know, I'm kind of guy who uh, decide to do something. I just do it. Uh, I didn't really think about all the regulations and uh, the uh, codes that I have to you know deal with being a public place now. Yeah, uh, you know, being a farm or <laughs> agriculture totally different than commercial, obviously. So we have to be, um, you know, uh, 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 for instance, the walk that we're building right now for the handicap, uh, the the grading. I mean, the the rock can't be off more than a quarter inch, for instance, yeah. right? Okay. The bump itself. The quarter inch isn't too much. So some of those are the things that uh, you know, like for instance, doors, um, the the entrance doors, they have to be, you know, ADA compliant. So everything we do has to be ADA compliant. So, and, and I'm really okay with that because I do want uh, this zoo to be accessible to everyone. Okay. Matter of fact, I am even thinking about building, maybe, um, you know, uh, when I build a, uh, children's, um, playground. Uh, the other day I saw a beautiful video of, um, a swing, uh, with a wheelchair, you know, okay. yeah. picture accessible swing. And I said, wow, that's awesome. You know, I have never seen that. Yeah. So those are the things that kind of excite me. So, you know, I want this to be a uh, welcoming place for anyone. So, um, and you know, that's a to that obviously. Um, so, but having uh, to answer your question, uh, right now I'm setting my uh, date, grand opening date, to be April 25th, which is the same day as the Iguana Fest. Okay. Yeah, so we're going to kind of do both together. And if I don't open, uh, I, we're not ready to open that day, we'll have a Gwana fest anyway. So. Sure. <laughs> yeah.
3: uh, I have a follow-up question there. Yeah. How much of the process are you like fully in control of? I mean, to the point where, uh, like, are you fully designing it and then having them do it? Or are you bringing professionals in to make, like, design choices based on the topography of your land and whatnot?
1: Yeah, um... I'm a control freak. I Mm -hmm. say that right now. Um, So, I love to do everything myself, but there are just things that I can't. I mean, like, for instance, like designing um, the bathroom. Yeah, sure. I have to do that, right? Of course. course. Yeah, architect and engineer and uh, putting in electric. I have to have electricians for that. Mm -hmm. But every phase of it, I let them know where I want those outlets. And how many amps I want because the heat lamp has to be there and stuff. So yeah. those, uh, those are the, all the details I have to come up with. Um, yeah. Like for instance, I was talking to the builder today about uh, the pipe, uh, the drain pipe for the for the pond. Yeah, so they to the have to, Yeah, they have to be uh, every ten feet. They have to be one inch, uh, you know, one inch down or, or, or whatever. So those are the things that we have to do. Um, so I rely a lot of, uh, you know, different builders to, uh, to build a zoo, obviously. But I have uh, uh, two, um, I guess, employees that help me build cages. Um, mm-hmm. What I do with those is basically this, things like that have really never been done. I mean, I, if I hire somebody who's already building habitat for the zoo, uh, you're talking about cages probably, you're talking about million dollar cages, right? that's what they built uh you know so my budget not that deep right? Uh, i don't have half a billion dollar budget to build this zoo so um uh, you
3: know so i have
1: to find a way to do this the right way so basically i need to make sure it's uh, uh functional number one and then of course it has to be uh, uh you know aesthetically pleasing mm-hmm. and And at the same time, uh, you know, when I want to have like 150 different species of turtles, I can't have every cage to be like 30 feet by 60 feet with, you know, beautiful Mm -hmm. rock and a big farm. I just Mm -hmm. can't do that. So that's one of the reasons why I went to TSA to look at their facility because they're more of a breeding center.
2: Mm -hmm. Uh,
1: Basically, this area will be kind of a combination of the both. Uh, It won't be just sanitary like they do it, it becomes a combination of kind of functional and aesthetic. So right. those are the things that keep me up at up night. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and, and believe me, I make mistakes. I try and error because nobody has ever done this before. Yeah,
3: uh, so, who does make mistakes when they're trying to make something new? I'm sorry? Like who doesn't
1: make mistakes when they're trying to create oh. something yeah, believe me, I made more mistakes than probably anybody, because I just, I try things, because I'm, I'm not afraid to try anything. So once I get this in my head, I just do it, and I, you know, I fail a lot, but uh, it's, it's always been a learning experience. You just dust yourself off and uh, keep going, you know? Uh, if you had to decide,
2: if you had to choose one, you talked about how it's kind of a little bit of both, the aesthetics and, you know, the... I'll practicality I'll of, of, I of the function, yeah, sure. If you're you're a reptile breeder, it's what you were kind of first, and you've been building towards this dream of yours and fulfilling that dream, making it a reality. Um, so, as a breeder who is now creating a zoo, which we know zoos are have to be on some level about what brings people through the turnstiles, right, and what what puts what brings people to this to the zoo to see everything. So, it, which is more important to you? Breeding or display, and as a follow-up, or, or kind of like to take that just a step further, is do you have space for animals to be off exhibit as part of breeding um, activity as as well?
1: Well, um, yeah, that's a tough question that I've I've um, thought about many times, um, and I go back and forth. Um, Right now, my plan is for iguana because I I breed a lot of iguanas right now. The breeding center will be separate, all right? So I will keep my breeding center, iguana breeding center, separated from the zoo part, the public part. Uh, What I plan on doing is um, giving people a um, tour of the breeding center and 100% of what we make there go to conservation. Love that. So, the, so basically, we give them a guided tour. If I'm going to give them, ask for $10 per person, all $10 is going to go to conservation. That's really great. So, uh, yeah, so you be separated. Okay. And I think I that's am- one way, another way to make, uh, you know, help conservation. Because, you know, when you say conservation, you got to do it, right? I mean, that means you got to it's usually money. because. Without money, you can't really do much conservation. I'm Unfortunately. Right. Truth. <clears throat>
2: uh,
1: I have a really good
3: question from uh, Andrew over at Arizona Tortoise Compound. Uh, Ty, how many species of tortoises are you planning on maintaining if you're striving for 150 species of turtles?
1: Hmm. That includes the tortoises or the yeah. So, mm-hmm. What's the
3: breakup, you think? I'm sorry? What's the breakup? Is it like 100 to 50, 75 to the oh, five.
1: I mean, tortoises to turtles? So, yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, um, <laughs> I've been going over this with uh Paul and Jim and bill um just last weekend, and I have this chart right here that we worked on um I think um it it looks to me like we're gonna have um at least eighty or so aquatic at least probably about 40 or so, so of the, um, the, the, the uh, tortoises, land total and then rest of them probably like a semi aquatic, uh, lot of land with um, like a smaller pond kind of thing. So mm-hmm. that's the estimate right now. It keeps changing obviously as we, you know, make, make aqu- actual, acquisition actual acquisition and stuff like that. that. But, but this paper right now that I'm working off of, it's just kind of like a wish list. list. Uh, there are a lot of, you know, uh, very uh, rare uh, species, like you know, some of the forest species, obviously, are in there. Um,
3: and, you know, that's
1: part of the conservation part, but more than anything, I think, you know, 90% of the people who come here are going to know the difference, right? Uh, they just going to see total, uh, they going to kind of see uh, overall the diversity of total. Oh, that's different, that's different. I to know the scientific names or or but having said that, that the other 10% to me is very important to me. Uh those people who are really into turtles and tortoises, and those are the people who are really gonna do conservation work. And I wanna do, you know, uh like for instance, give you an example with iguanas. Um because I have so many different species, and uh, uh, many of the same species, like for instance, rhino iguanas, I have 80 adults, right? So that, um, because I have that facility, I could have a researcher come here and do research. Something that he had to here take him six months to do on the field, he could do it here in a couple of weeks. Because you know, drawing blood from an individual animal, uh, getting sperm from them—it's uh, a whole different ball game doing it in a facility like this, or you actually go out, go to the island and catch animals, um, and then try to do, draw blood and stuff like that. So, I've, uh, you know, I have uh, a trailer here for, like, researchers to come and do their research. I have a um, uh, uh, couple of people already done that. I also have a guest house here that uh, I call it intern house. Uh, we're going to be entertaining some interns uh, from Australia soon in January. So those, those are some of the things that... I've always wanted to do, and I'm actually doing it. And uh, so uh, this, I think, having this many turtles and, and and having a breeding center like this, I think uh, would be good for you know the researchers, some of the scientists to come and do their work. Um, that's part of the you know part of what I wanted to do. So I have a.
3: Uh a secondary question for that as well um
1: mm-hmm.
3: uh, more touching on what you were speaking with your uh, the, the people you have working scientists and interns and stuff like that coming with the amount of uh animals that you have there you said you have 80 adult you know rh- rhino iguanas i know yeah. iguanas yeah.
1: yeah
3: i mean i can only imagine the total amount of animals you have there now how many people if you're okay sharing uh, do you have employed for you that are helping take care of these animals on a day-to-day basis
1: Right now, I have six people. Six people, okay. Yeah, I have six employees. That's a lot of people. No. Yeah, and um, I think <laughs> my I probably will end up uh, with about twenty to start. That's my guess. Okay. Um, okay. So you're I'm the gonna have to hire uh, a lead keeper uh, because that's me right now. I'm lead everything. I do have a manager. Um, then I probably going to have to have someone uh, like, uh, run the gift shop. I probably have need somebody to do the PR, uh, you know, go to the school and, you know, and, and, uh, do all the, uh, uh, things like Facebook. I, I can't, you know, I, I I'm not going to be able to do all that myself. Uh, I am retired. So eventually I want to get train everybody and hopefully I don't have to spend more than half the time here because I'm going to be granddad soon too. So. Um, that's really my plan just train people um, and I plan to spend about maybe half the time here and half the time with my family so okay so if
3: you're anticipating opening in April okay that's you know five months from now um, Mm -hmm. you need to hire like you said you were trying to do 20 people so you need to hire 14 people in the next
1: five months well uh, yeah uh, my plan is to build the cages first obviously, uh, we're doing that right now, um, hopefully within that couple of months, uh, most of the cages will be built and then comes the, uh, the uh, basically at the same time I have to hire people and start getting animals. Uh-huh. So yeah, it, it'd be a daunting task actually, but um, you know, it, it's something that You know, I have to, yeah, I don't look forward to it, especially the acquisition part, Uh, but I have, you know, other people helping me, right? I mean, the people that I mentioned before, they've really been um, uh, awesome, you know? I mean, when it comes to totals, I rely on these guys heavily. Um, Yeah, so uh, it's good to have friends. Um, You know, for iguanas and stuff, I'm pretty much, uh, you know, I don't know everything, but I'm very comfortable with it. With aquatic turtles, uh, especially aquatic turtles, tortoises, I'm pretty comfortable with that too. But when it comes to aquatic turtles, um, I'm learning a lot still, right? I used to have pet stores. So I know the basics, you know, uh, how to care for them and stuff. But when it comes to real nitty-gritty, I need to depend on, you know, people who really have done the work, right? So that's what I'm doing. I'm learning as much as I can so I could transfer that knowledge to my keepers. yeah, it's it, it's a lot of fun. I mean, it's it, it's crazy fun actually. So
3: okay. Now, if so, you're gonna be looking. I know you don't like the acquisition part you said, but you're looking for a lot of animals, all right? Is there any? Right. I mean, we do get quite a bit of viewers. So if you want to say a couple of specific ones on air right now, somebody may know. They might be able to reach out to you somehow.
1: Well, one of, some of them. Yeah, I mean, Asian um, Those are really weird to get. Um, I think most of the other species with my connection with, uh, the, you know, TTPG and TSA and people like you, I think once we're ready, if, uh, I think we could get most of the species. I'm pretty sure. Um, yeah, so I'm not too worried about the acquisition. Um, I, I, I've been getting uh, some of the animals donated. Um, and of course anytime we get donation or breeding loan, we probably make a plaque for them for that case. And it came, you know, donated by Tom Crutchfield, for instance. And he donated some, some, uh, you know, the snakes and stuff. So that's part of uh, what we want to do also. Like, we are taking on some of the breeding loans. Um, Paul mentioned, um, Shell mentioned that he, he's, uh, wanted, uh, to, um, have some breeding loans of some of the animals that he has. Uh, you know, he, he's uh, kind of running out of space for some of these larger animals. So it's beneficial for both of us. Yeah. So I like that kind of situation where, you know, um, uh, I could get these animals because breeding is one thing, but I really don't, I'm not breeding them to make money. I really yeah. like the challenge of breeding. Right? So breeding loan is perfect for me. It just give me you know, <laughs> a chance to breed, work with these animals and breed them. I kind of like check it off, off the list of uh, animals that I bred kind of thing. You know, it kind of, it might be eagle, but uh, that's what I love doing. So, and, uh, you know, splitting the uh, the babies with someone, or even giving them away, it's not a problem for me. Okay. Uh, you know, breeding is not, you know, something that, obviously I wanted to be part of, uh, you know, I don't want to keep putting my funds in, uh <laughs> you know, all the time, obviously. So, I mean, uh it's been financially um not challenging, but I do have a wife. So, you know, and, <laughs> um so it's, it's anytime I need large amount of money is, you know, I have to beg, you know, so <laughs> I mean. <laughs> Honestly, that's, that's nice to hear because,
3: like, on any scale that happens, you know, I want to go buy a $200 turtle. I'm like, hey, Amanda, like, look, this is, yeah. I think yeah. I need this animal to make this product work a little bit better, you know, and, like, justify it. So it's, it's really great that no matter where you are in this, everybody's at that scale, you know?
1: Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. They bring that up to million dollars. So, yeah, so, yeah. you know, you got to ask for. Well, yeah, so it's, it, it's, I mean, I've, you know, I got. Millions. I have, we agreed on certain percent of my um, asset of wealth for doing this, right? Um, I'm blowing that real quick. <laughs> because there's so much going on here. I, I didn't anticipate. And I, I literally, just to uh, get uh, the um, the zoning change. You know, lawyer fee was really, I, I didn't even think about things like that, you know, the stuff that, that you know, the codes and, uh, you know, things like um, I have to hire someone to um, make sure that there's no, and then your species on this ground, right? Um, we, uh, they've got to be uh, also uh, um, uh, someone had to do um, um, to make sure there's no wetland. Okay. All the things, you know, engineers come in have to do it and it takes money and for instance, I didn't even think about um, uh, they have to do a uh, traffic study up front to see what kind of traffic pattern it had. You know, mm-hmm. tens of thousands now think like little things that I didn't even think about. Yeah. So, yeah. So, but you know, it's it's part of it. I'm just shrug it off and keep moving. Sure.
3: Uh, I got I got a couple good a um, chat questions. So the first is from. Hingeback tortoise central, which I think that's to Tom Arbor. Uh, hey guys, Jeremy isn't able to jump on, but he he was interested in whether Ty will be building an
1: indoor Nexus facility. Indoor. Yeah. Uh, you mean the for the reptiles in general, or for the? Um, uh, the, the st-
2: tor- hingeback tortoises.
1: Hingeback tortoises. Or oh, hingeback to the turtles wow um <laughs> in fact um, i've been working with jim Barjat. um he thinks the adult can be kept outdoors okay so we're working on that have habitat now um uh, so kind of like a box total uh, ish kind of habitat right depends on which uh, species but yeah right right yeah obviously and of course you know, I, I'm gonna need help with that. But indoors, right now, um, I don't anticipate large space for indoor. So um, what I'm 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 anticipating like um, one building for babies, right? Um, so that people could actually see babies, um, baby lizards, and baby turtles and baby tortoises. Uh, so I'm kind of anticipating one room for that. One room for um, frogs and insects. Um, and then another room for some of the species actually uh, uh, can't really, you can't really keep outdoors. Like uh, we probably keep uh, plenty of quarters, like um, plenty of probably indoors, right? Um, uh, so yeah, maybe even um, uh, uh, the pancake tortoise indoors, but they don't take up large space. Mm-hmm. So those are the things that the, the challenge species would probably keep indoors. Um, so uh, right now, I don't expect to um, indoor for uh, uh, the turtles. Uh Let's see, ten by ten by forty, about four hundred square feet for the uh, indoors. I really want to keep most of the stuff outdoors. Okay. The
3: next question was. What has been the most challenging reptile to breed so far for you?
1: Oh, gosh. Well, actually, um, I had a a cyclora fissioncide here alone. Uh, I had them for about three years. Unfortunately, I wasn't able to breed them before they took it back. So that was kind of like... I don't know. It's something that I really wanted to do that I couldn't do. Um, And of course, some of the turtles and tortoises, like for instance, um, um, I'm really not trying to breed tortoises and turtles, but it's been very challenging just keeping some of the hinge back that's been, uh, you know, wild caught, obviously. Mm -hmm. That's been really challenging for me. Um, Well, breeding-wise, really, I think... Uh maybe I'm too confident but so far if it's something that I really wanted to breed, I have been able to do it. So um right now I'm I'm concentrating on breeding some of the um the monitors. Um but having said that I kinda put that aside too because I wanna build the zoo first. And then I could concentrate on breeding. Um the iguana breeding is almost like automatic now because I have enough people trained. Um, but when it comes to monitor, i do only been doing it for a couple of years. So I'm still learning that part and then I need to transfer that, uh, 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 what I've learned to my keeper. So that having said that, I kind of stopped breeding them only because uh, right now I'm concentrating on building the zoo right now. So once it's built, I'll go back to... Um, you know, breeding monitors and some of the other Chelonian species. Uh, the reason why Iguana is easy is because I've been doing it for, you know, 10 years and it's kind of like almost routine and my, all, all my employees know what to do. Same with the Tegu's. Um, you know, I've been doing it for eight years. It's almost like automatic, you know, and it, it just is so easy to do basically. And so kind of for Tegu's the challenge has been kind of it, it's not challenging for me anymore. So it's one of the uh, reasons why I'm letting go of my um, of uh, breeding collection. Uh, the other reason is that, you know, they are invasive and if, you know, they do escape, they could actually live around there, as most of the iguanas cannot. Like, points in green iguana would never survive around there. They might survive one winter, but they can't really produce in this area because one mm-hmm. cold, one cold winter, winter will get, get rid of all. all So.
3: Okay. Yeah, it's pretty wild. That was, honestly, before you started saying that you were getting rid of your breeding group, that's what I first <laughs> started thinking about. Uh, there was a documentary on Netflix about that. Invasive species in Florida and degus were like a huge problem they were facing. Some guys, was he, he'd just catch them and then sell them, you know, so they're out of All Florida. Right. Uh right. that's, this, did you get a lot of flack from like people for uh, keeping like, a breeding degus?
1: Um, I think it's minor. Right. Um I think that um, the the Tagus was, and at the beginning it was just challenging and I am the, I am probably the largest tegu breeder in the world, maybe. Um, I produce uh, maybe 800 to 1000 animals a year, babies, uh, and a lot of them I export. Um, one of the things that I decided to do at the beginning when I was breeding tegus was, um, because they are popular in Asian countries, in Canada, I export them and I try not to uh, sell them locally too much because uh, I don't, you know, if, if, if it's possible, I don't want to compete with, with small breeders, right? So my idea was to breed them and export them and, um, you know, uh, export as much as I can and then also the rest. So. Okay, great.
3: Uh, I do have another question from the audience. Uh, Terry Martins, who came in earlier, had a great question about Egyptian tortoises and where to get them. We got to see about Ralph a fan favorite of
1: ours. Uh, Ralph? Andrew. Yeah, Ralph's great. Yeah. Yeah, he is. he's awesome. He's only about an uh, hour and a half from me. Oh, cool. Yeah, That's he's awesome. in Temple. Yeah. He's a great wow. guy. We know each other for a long time.
3: I've never met him. I'm a. Uh, I actually found out that he went to, he showed up in Connecticut, right, Anthony? And
1: mm-hmm.
3: he, he didn't call me. I'm at 45 minutes away. Oh,
2: he's—you know, he, does, he doesn't like surprises, Kev. What do you want me to tell you? <laughs> Ralph, Ralph, her Ralph, and ate lunch with my daughters, so it was, and they drew a picture of him and, and mailed it to him.
3: Oh, yeah, that right? Cool. That's great. <laughs> he
1: liked it.
3: watching. The next time you're here, we're going to Golden Corral, the okay? best restaurant on the East Coast. Don't worry, they have those in Florida. <laughs> so anyway, her question was:
1: Is everything hatched in incubators, or do you let them hatch in the ground naturally? Um, I do not let them ground, uh, hatch out in the ground. I, everything is incubated in the incubation room. I have a um, uh, two incubation room. Uh, one is actually thirty feet by ten feet incubation room. So I I can incubate most of my cyclores and uh, the tegus in there, and then I have smaller smaller uh, room for t- uh, turtles and tortoises. So.
2: That's amazing. Rooms. The incubator is a room. That's awesome.
1: Yeah, yeah three foot by ten foot. <laughs> if
3: you, find, <laughs> you find that you can go get uh, like naturally ground hatched animals, like clutches that you missed?
1: i never seen one. Never seen i never that. had. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, not in the ground. It's, I'm, I'm hoping, you know, a friend of mine who lives only about 45 minutes from me, I set him up with a pair of uh, red foototosis, right? Every year, he gets like a dozen or so out of the ground. He doesn't do anything. Yeah. But not no, I haven't found any babies at all here. Okay. That's fine. Yeah. That's really interesting. Yeah. Fire ant, uh, because we did have a lot of fire ants around here. Uh, I've not seem battle with them. Um, and so, yeah, we haven't had any uh, other ground. So.
3: so what is your process of finding out if animals grab it and, like, when they're laying the eggs? You know, because with all the different pieces you have, there's going to be, you know, habits that you have.
1: You know, um, that's no, You want to, prefer, you, want to prefer, you, you can see the egg, can see the egg. I literally, could see the eggs and because uh, I got them all outdoors um, with the heated houses every uh, cage has little heated house um, So basically for iguanas, we turn them on when it's 50 degrees or lower at night it, It's almost we never get 50 degrees during the day I mean, you know I, when I say never not never never but it's very very rare So it's usually night temperature and we turn on the heater for iguanas at 50 degrees and we've been successful with that for 12 years so right. anybody argue with me that's too bad because <laughs> we're, and we're not losing any animals right some people say 60 if you want to do it that's fine but you know um for me 50 more. um I, we don't lose animals uh, taboos, uh we don't give them any here basically we give uh you know Big pile of hay is what they get. Uh, you know, at the beginning, I worried about the blue tegus being more uh, cold sensitive, and so I gradually kind of lowered the temperature kind of thing. And I realized the blue tag was the same. They could actually take it up to almost down to freezing with the hay, and it was fine. So, um, so having said that, um, iguanas and tegus lay once a year, unlike you know turtles and some of the monitors so it's very easy to schedule them and they're almost uh for instance rocky one is uh, cuban iguana would usually breed first and then lose hybrid and um and then the rhino iguana would breed last. so i kind of have to schedule the all down pack, and it's almost impossible to miss them um, laying eggs because they're so full of eggs and they dig for days uh, so it's, for me, iguana breeding is something that I could just, you know, it's almost automatic, right? Um, monitors a little bit different, obviously, because, um, they don't breed just once a year. You have to, uh, uh you know, find them when they're aggregating because they do fight a lot. The so male with female would, would routinely fight. So you, you got to keep them separated sometimes. So uh, monitor has been more challenging. Uh, so, um, but iguanas and tegus are really, um, almost automatic and very easy. Um, So
2: a question, um, just to to change gears for a second. I really appreciate you going into the monitors and the tegus and the iguanas because this is supposed to be a reptile show. And although we are really, really, really heavily, uh, you know, biased towards turtle and tortoise related things, it's become a turtle and tortoise show now over the years. Uh But the plan was always to talk about reptiles. So it's really cool to have someone on who who has such a wealth of knowledge of some of those reptiles that we don't really know as much about. Um, okay. But if, if I'm switching gears just for a second, if everyone could just entertain me for a second. So one of the things I'm fascinated about is you have a really big social media presence and your name is really, really well known in, in herpeticulture and in the reptile world in general, um, reaching outside of herpeticulture. But um, there's a lot of people who um, perhaps will be jealous of someone who has the means to build their own zoo. Um okay people who have, because you've been kind of on the hobby side, the herpeticulture side for several years now, you, there are people who know you from those days as being a hobbyist who's grown into this, you know, huge hobbyist who's been able to achieve a lot of things that the rest of us never can. Um, so you've been out there in the public. So I know there's been some stuff like on Fauna Classifieds, Um, Mm -hmm. that people kind of see you in a negative light from that. And then there's also people who just kind of will, will kind of say negative things because they think if they had the opportunity to do what you're doing, they would do it differently in this way and this way. So Mm -hmm. kind of how do you, how do you stay, uh, focused and, uh, keep all those things kind of compartmentalized so that you can continue to, um, proceed the way that you have so far?
1: Well, yeah, um, I have small core of friends um, that help me. <clears throat> um, yeah, I mean, I, I, you know, it's the reality that uh, when you get large that people are going to get jealous. Uh, people are going to try to knock you down. And I expect that. Um, and, uh, you know, like Fauna, you know, I, I don't need to go down there and defend myself because It takes too much time for me. It's a waste of time for me, right? Um, You know, just sure that comes up a lot, but deep inside, I knew I did the right thing. So it really doesn't matter what other people say about that situation because I know I did the right thing. You know, I mean, I donated three animals and raised $15,000 and I didn't make any, you know, I lost $60,000 because of it, right? $60,000 $60,000 that I could have gave to conservation work. For instance, you know, the person uh, didn't sue me because I did something wrong. He sued me because uh, I ran a illegal raffle. Right? They got me for that. because for me, I didn't know the rules about raffle. Right? I mean, I didn't know I had to say, um, for instance, um, you don't have to uh, purchase anything. To win, I guess that's part of the uh, the regulation that you have to say that. So, so she got a lawyer. And she came up to me with that because apparently she had a good lawyer. And said, "Hey, you can sue him because he did a uh, um, um, uh, they he, he did, did an illegal raffle." So I lost that case because of it. See? Uh, so I had to pay because I ran an illegal raffle. Um, not because, you know, I did anything wrong, basically what happened was, um, you know, there's a couple of different type of, um, uh, the Tegus, right, uh, T-minus and T-plus, plus. one was more expensive, um, the, the, the giveaway, the raffle was for the, uh, the cheaper albino kind of thing, and so that year, it just, uh, every year I, I get both. That year, I just got the more expensive one, right? Uh, t point. So, um, and I decided, okay, well, I got the more expensive one. Why don't I buy some uh, the cheaper, you know, less expensive Armani that I rap- I was wrapping some friend of mine, and just you know send them, send those to them. Um, you know, I could have done that without telling them, but me being want to be completely honest, I told everyone. I told them, look. I produce an expensive uh, vinyl. Uh, the the cheaper uh, the version of the vinyl that you guys want, I, I didn't produce them. Therefore, do you mind if I buy from my friend of mine the stuff that you know you guys want um, raffle for? And two people say, "Of course, yeah, not not a problem." The the lady said that no, she wanted money, and and and, and that was okay, um, but. Somehow, she kind of made it sound like she really wanted the... She just... She didn't want the animals, she just wanted the money. She kind of, like, told me off, kind of. So, so basically, my idea was, okay, uh, she's going to be difficult. I'm just going to send her the table that I actually the more expensive one. I'm just going to send it to her, right? Because she, she wanted the one that I produced. But so my plan was to do that. So I asked her to send me address... Twice, she refused to do it. She kept asking me questions about you know all this and that. I keep asking her, "I'm gonna send you the tegu you want. Please send me uh, the uh, the address." And she refused. So I took that tegu and ran an uh, auction and raised another five thousand for the conservation work. So, uh, so then you know she sued me, and then they got they got thrown out of the court. And then she sued me in Florida for running a illegal raffle. So she got me for that because I did run an illegal raffle. I didn't even know that I was running an illegal raffle. I just wanted to do something to raise money for this charity. And apparently I did run an illegal raffle. That's, that, you know, so for me, I did everything right, um, uh, you know, from the start to the end. And I'm not shameful for anything that I've done, actually. And of course, the point out there's at least two, three people there who, kind of hates me because we had dealing before and then I kind of told them uh, they're kind of like crooks and but at the same time I don't want to go in there and attack this guy because it it goes on forever right Mm -hmm. I I didn't have time for that right so that's the story
2: I really appreciate you sharing I think um, there's always so many sides to every story, and a lot of this stuff gets blown out of proportion, and especially when someone is as high-profile as you are. Right. Um, so I appreciate being able to, to hear your side, and not just make this a puff piece about you building the zoo, but also talk about a little bit about what, we, what goes into um, kind of what it means to be Thai Park, and kind of what your journey has been to yeah.
1: to where you. It's not, you know, some days it's, it's tough, uh, but I you know I've been a always a positive person. I have a lot of good friends who, who knows me well, uh, you know knows me deep down. So I'm not too worried about other you know people saying you know rumors and stuff. So it, it comes with the territory, I think. Sure. Uh,
3: I have a good question from I don't know their actually, but it's Turtle Hurdle on YouTube. Uh, will you keep will you keep multiple species together in the same enclosures? If so, which ones?
1: Uh, right now, I don't really plan on that. I I, I always keep them separated. Uh, but having said that, in the future, um, I I see maybe some like red foot tortoises was uh, kept with some of the uh, spiny toe iguanas uh, because you know technically they could eat about the same stuff, right? Uh, of course, if you give them crickets, uh, spiny toe iguanas can eat them all, right? Before turtle get to it. But in uh, you know, the red foot tortoises, they can have some kind of little bit of meat, right? So the <laughs> diet-wise, uh, I don't see any complex there. Um, they come from the same region, so I could see myself keeping red foot tortoises along with like some of the spiny-tailed ones without any problem. But I, so far, I've been keeping every species separated.
2: That's interesting. I was surprised to hear that because you keep such a wide range of things.
1: A lot
2: um, of cages. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I see that. I see that. You're, I should say too. That's a good. That's a good uh, segue into just saying you are an amazing follow on social media. Um, you're you're very um, current. The amount of things that you're posting, it's it's very um, uh, you're very active, and you know with the, with all the things that you have going on right now it's It's kind of just all over the place like here are these iguana pens that are coming in and here's this building and the doors are an issue and it has to be hurricane proof and then here's the big aquatic turtle situation and we're putting in drainage and all that type of thing and just jumping from one thing to the next and seeing (coughs) how many things you're juggling all at the same time
1: um yeah there's definitely there definitely are a lot of enclosures um i'm sure now and there's going to be even more yeah, I've been traveling all my life, so it, it's natural for me. It, it's, uh, you know, I, I'm i I'm, I'm known to do three four things in my head at the same time. So, um, you know, like sometimes at like 12 like o'clock in the morning, I'm, I'm up writing a note to myself, you know, because the idea comes in my head. Um, but, you know, I've um, had a good life, uh, you know, raised two great kids. Um, um, and that was my really true goal uh to be a father and make sure that my kids are a kind of person who um gives to society and that's very important to me um uh you know uh, grow up with humility and um you know like point to my son he's, 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 he's um a trauma surgeon and he works at um you know la the the uh the worst hospitals he could to work in, you know, gunshot victims and cars, you know, car, you know, car accident victims, and he want to, I mean, I, you know, as someone who's graduated from like the, the best college in the world, like Princeton, and going to one of the best medical school, USC Medical School, uh, he could have went into something like plastic surgery and make millions, right? I mean, um, because that's what people who come to plastic surgery look at, you know, the the diplomas and, you know, all this stuff. But he chose not to do that. He wanted to uh, literally save lives. So he's going to be a trauma surgeon and he's going to work in uh, ghettos. And, you know, Mm -hmm. to me, uh, uh, that's a good kid. You know, he he cares about the poor and cares about... uh, you know the race relations, and, and and that's very important to me. That I, you know, my my kids are that way, and my daughter same way. You know, he, um, yeah, she's uh, you know she uh, she the both they both are good kids, and so that that's the base of my life basically. And now it you know this doing reptile stuff is kind of like sideline stuff. You know, mm-hmm. um, I stayed home uh, until. Uh, And I didn't work. I I stayed home with the kids. Uh, My wife didn't work either until my daughter um, went to Northwestern in 2006. Uh, She went to Northwestern in 2006. My son, the same year, I decided to send him to a private school in Minnesota. And so 2006, basically, I was free. And 2007, I bought this farm. (laughs)
2: <laughs> so when you say this farm that's your that's your property right now where your home is um, right. you talk about having I'll the be- guest house of the, the, the intern spot and then that's that's where iguana fest takes place and that's also where the zoo will be
1: right correct right and I don't see myself getting any larger than this this is not for me 12 mm-hmm. acres of plenty um, you know people say hey buy more land and stuff I I, I don't I don't have that dream um, I think 12 acres, I could do plenty. And I think the zoo is going to be my legacy. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, I'm pretty sure that after I die, someone would, you know, will uh, take care of this zoo, and hopefully, it lasts 100, 200 years from now. You know, uh, yeah. that'll be my legacy. And I be long gone, and this zoo will keep, you know, keep going. So that's why this building, this zoo, is very important to me so
3: i may have missed this first half a second i apologize your home is at the same place as the zoo correct i'm sorry i know anthony just asked this but i missed the answer because my wife asked me a question okay so your home is in the same place as the zoo yes i have two
1: property here it's based off of that answer so i apologize uh no yeah point. i have, I have yeah. a couple of uh houses here on the on, on the property so i have a manager house and I live in another house here, and then how I do, have LA house.
3: How does your wife feel about people, your property all the time?
1: Good question. Um, First of all, she's not an animal person. Um, At all? With, good for a, you.
2: Uh,
1: That's a good she, thing. <laughs> but, <laughs> yeah, she, she's just not an animal person, and I understand that. It's not something that everybody has, right? Um, so, Yeah, um, she doesn't come here at all. Um, So this is basically my bachelor pet. Um, (laughs) And so when I'm here, I'm just the animal guy. I have really no social life. Uh, And when I'm at home, I'm with the kids and the wife. And I have no animals. One of the promises that I made to my wife was uh, when I was in Chicago, uh, Inverness, I had this house with basement full of reptiles. And when I asked her if it was okay for me to buy this property in Florida, one of the things was that mm-hmm. the candy or the, 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 um, um, uh, the, the uh, basically I asked, uh, I told her that I'd take all the animals out of the house mm-hmm. if you let me buy this farm in Florida. And she agreed. That was the, you know, icing on the cake. Yeah. She, she didn't, she didn't even like animals at home. She right. didn't like to smell. You know, you're going to have animals, you're going to smell. Um, mm-hmm. And she didn't like crickets, blues. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, so uh, it was yeah. a good compromise, I think.
3: So on that note, I, have a, I keep a lot of terrapins. And so one thing I like to do is I, I live right on the shore, so I go I collect uh, fiddler crabs to feed mm-hmm. them. You know, not often, maybe uh, in the summer months, like once a month I'll go and I'll get it so each terrapin can eat like five to six, you know, fiddler crabs. Um, but every once in a while, the fiddler crab just crawls out, like it climbs up the enclosure and gets out, you know?
0: Mm-hmm.
3: And like three, four days later, I think they're all gone, clearly. And then I just see, because uh, I have dogs also, so there'll be like dog fur on the ground. And I just mm-hmm. see this little birdie thing with a crab walking around, it just has dog hair all over it. And it just uh, uh, freaks my wife out a lot. <laughs>
1: <laughs> no. I, um, well, I have a wife who's afraid of a lot of things. I mean, if, uh, if, if she finds a spider at, at home, she'll just leave. Um, <laughs> she'll she'll just call leave. me. And she'll me. like, I we be, need to This one's done. I, I could be 1,200 miles away, but she'll call me and say, hey, you want to come and get this spider out of the house? Um, so, you know, it's... it's there's something that, you know, like, hey, if you marry somebody, you have to take the good with the bad. Yeah. And uh, so, that's, that's the way it is. And I think, hey, you know, I'm very comfortable with my life right now, being able to spend uh, my time down here with animals and then being able to spend my other time in, uh, you know, L.A. Basically, when I'm here, I'm totally a farmer, you know, kind of like a rural lifestyle. When I'm in uh, L.A., I'm basically in downtown L.A., you know, a couple of blocks from Staples Center. So you come down the elevator and there's everything right there. You can walk to everything. And so and my, both of my kids are there. So it, it's a good life. I mean, I, I have nothing to complain about, for sure. That's awesome.
3: So I don't currently have any uh, questions from the chat, and I've asked, a lot of questions and my mouth hurts right now. So I'm um, uh, Anthony, Steve, you guys have anything awesome.
0: Oh man. I, uh, I was, I mentioned to Anthony in the chat, this might be one of the easiest podcast episodes he and I have ever had. Ty keeps talking. Kevin's asking great questions. It's been very fun to just sit and, and and just listen to, to Ty share his experiences through all this. Um, <clears throat> I don't know that I have anything uh, that's coming to mind right now. You've asked a lot of those great questions already. Um, Oh, my life now. Let's let's take a pause right here, right, Uh, and we're we're getting, and then we'll we'll do another ten or fifteen minutes to wrap up. But let's remind all of our viewers that tomorrow is Giving Tuesday. All right, so. You know, we've had Black Friday and Small Business Saturday and Cyber Monday when you've been spending all your money buying all sorts of crazy stuff, right? But Giving Tuesday, whether it be the Turtle Room, the Turtle Survival Alliance, um, one of the iguana conservation um, organizations, whoever, take some of your some of your money that you haven't already spent on on your family and friends and donate it to help save these turtles, tortoises iguanas etc tomorrow it doesn't have to be to us right just make a difference with uh, with your little bit of money that's left
3: it can be us though
0: it can be us right not Th- saying it has to be we'd, we'd love for <laughs> you to invest in the turtle room and uh, continue to support us but uh, pick wherever you feel feel led to make that contribution tomorrow
2: yeah well said <laughs> well said Steve, you're good at that. I'm never good at that. Never. <laughs> so uncomfortable. I don't know what to do with my hands.
3: Stop. You just have to go for it, man. If it's something that needs to happen, it needs to happen.
2: Don't talk to me like that in front of everyone.
3: I want to talk to you.
2: Have some respect. Okay? Jeez. I'm, I'm, sharing, I'm, I'm sharing how I'm feeling, and I'm looking for a bit of validation, and you just crush me. Just in front of everybody. <laughs> How the,
3: it's not tides good.
2: It, how the tides have turned I know. Oh, I, it's true. I deserve it uh, from you.
0: <laughs> oh, oh, so this is kind of relatively unrelated to all the conversation we've had. So you've got this beautiful piece of artwork right behind you, Ty. Is that a James oh, Krause? St- yeah,
1: that was uh, painted by Tell Hicks. Oh, oh Tell Hicks. Oh, okay. All right. Um, I commissioned him to uh, do this. Uh, Painting of Madagascar tortoises uh, and um, and the uh, the chameleons. Matter of fact, uh, one of my passions before even total was chameleon. Working with chameleons, right? I used to breed a lot of chameleons before, like Panther uh, Panther chameleons. I used to breed hundreds of them, and that was before it became popular. Actually, uh, in the in the nineties. So I back then, you know, uh, you talk about No UV light. We use VitaLite, right? Um, I was doing it in the basement. (laughs) But um, I was able to produce hundreds and hundreds of uh, panther chameleon. I produced uh, oscillate chameleon. Back then, I think only one other uh, institution produced oscillate chameleon. That was, I think, Omaha Zoo or Oklahoma Zoo. So I used to talk to Dr. Ferguson, who did a lot of research with uh, UV lights. Uh, Mark Mitchell, who is the um, uh, the hospital director at LSU, um, uh, the best school, he's um, one of my best friends. He used to hang out with me all the time when he was a vet student. Um, and that's when, that was in Illinois. I had a restaurant back then also, before I kind of semi-retired. Um, and I had a secret room in the basement of the restaurant. Um, nobody knew about it except for a few people, obviously. um cold people didn't know about <laughs> it because you can't really have restaurant with the reptiles in the basement right yeah. um, but I did uh, I used to go down there during, during you know slow time with Mark uh, you know and we hang out and play with reptiles. you know we have uh parson chameleons down there uh, I rock neck monitors um, I bred my first green iguana in the basement without any UV light or anything like that. I think that was one of the biggest challenges for me. But back then, like I said, there was no UV light. Just to raise iguanas from babies in a basement uh, was a challenge. And for me to go and breed them was even a bigger challenge. You know, it's easy to do it in Florida, obviously. But that was one of my kind of like, it was, yeah, I mean, it's green iguana, but it was one of those things that I'm really proud of. Oh Yeah, those are the bad days. Uh, what was your question, by the way? <laughs> I don't know. I, I forgot the question. What was the question? I'm about to oh, ask about the painting.
0: Ask I, I asked about the, the tell,
1: painting. He yeah, answered it. It was a commission that I did with him. Yeah. Okay, awesome.
3: We do have one last question from the audience. Uh, Ty, do you have an, a specific organization you donate to?
1: Yeah, um, I like to donate to International Iguana Foundation. Um, that's been kind of a go-to organization. And also uh, uh, TSA has been an organization that I've been donating five to $10,000 every year. Um, and then with the, uh, uh, we do a lot of uh, small donations to small rescues and stuff. But I kind of stopped that when I was doing this zoo thing. Um, because I do get asked a lot about uh, small donations, about animals getting sick and stuff. And I usually do a lot of it. Like even the vet bills and stuff like that, I, I tend to send, uh, you know, money to them, to if the people I know. Um, but um, with this building thing going on, uh, basically that the small giving has been stopped. Um, so, uh, but I, I think... Looking at long term, uh, my goal is to give at least $100,000 a year uh, from this um, farm, right? And so, and it's, I think it's a very doable thing. So, I want to keep, um, you know, Iguana land, it's going to be called Reptile Zoo Education and Conservation Center. And um, it's going to be right up there. So, we're going to do the education, uh, we're going to do the conservation work. Uh, so, yeah, it's a big part of uh, what I want to do, and I think, I'm, I mean, unfortunately, um, only a few commercial breeders who routinely donate to conservation work, and I think other people, I, I personally think that other people should do more.
3: Well, thank you so much. That was a, a great answer, really thoughtful. Um, do we have any last words from you guys? Because I think we're going to roll out for the night.
2: Yeah, I just want to say thank you, um, Ty, for joining us. Um, you know Your <laughs> insight and your story around going on now and kind of what your thought process is going into it and what it's been like, it's a pipe dream for a lot of us. And you're actually doing it, and that's really cool. And as someone who gets giddy about visiting zoos, uh, just to go and see the five or six or seven... Or 10 or even 15 turtle or tortoise species that they have on display. Um, the thought of a zoo having 150 colonial species, like, honestly makes the hair on the back of my neck stand up in it's a good way. It's watering. It is. It is. Well, Steve yeah. likes turtle soup. That's why it's not I love challenge. Him, I love challenge.
1: And I think, of course,
2: you know, I'm going to have
1: a lot of people help me. You know that. I, I can't do this by myself. I'm going to have good staff. Right. I have good, you know, total people, you know, lead keeper. So it's not about me. Uh, you know, I'm just the, you know, brain of it, and then, you know, everything got to be, you know, carried on by the keepers. So I rely on them.
2: <laughs> Will you be looking to hire people from um, around the country or around the world who are interested in coming to work for you? And if so, how do they reach out? Will
1: you be I had a lot of people who inquire about the job, and only time time, uh, we'll be advertising it, and if you ask my manager to uh, hire, because i don't. I decided not to hire people myself, I've done it enough, uh, so she has a job, and she'll be the one who will be hiring, so. That sounds great. great. Her name is Claire Hickman. She You're very really like,
2: proud of her. You, you show her off a lot on, on things and talk about how great she is. I, I look forward to meeting her one day.
1: Yep. Yeah, she's a good person, for sure. That's great. You want a good person
2: in a role like that. Yeah, That's terrific. <laughs>
1: right, well, thank for having me, guys. I, I enjoyed it. Hopefully, um, I didn't talk I mean too much about other stuff. Uh, I know you guys are a total um, uh, organization and we didn't talk too much about turtles but i, I hope people forgive me for that, oh. it was they really enough for that fantastic anyway
0: like like, uh-huh. like anthony said when we first started the show the idea was you know pro- all reptiles but probably focused on turtles but so it's always it's we like getting the other reptiles back in a little bit more and i think it's really cool to see what you're doing um you know, it's it's called iguanaland, but you're really giving some other species really grand attention through it as well. Um, so I, I think it's cool to give you a chance to remind folks that yeah, it's called iguanaland, but it's not mm-hmm. just iguanas. So Right. I mean if you look at the logo as
1: cartoon character. Right. I want it to be family friendly and I want to, I want kids to come here. That's the reason why yeah. I want to educate the kids. That's why the logo is nothing serious. It's, it's you know, kinda of like barney ish know, huh? so that that kind of gives that out that this is going
0: to be a fun place it's going to be for kids and that's what i wanted to do all right so that's a great natural wrap up there thank you so much ty uh we're oh, really bye. grateful bye. you joined us um we'll have to do this again in the future after iguana lands up and running we can check in with you and you can tell us about uh, you know some of your first experiences of the first few months. Inevitably, there's going to be things that go spectacularly well, and then there's yeah. also going to be some things that you're like, man, that did not go how we how you expected. Yeah. Uh, and those are how we yeah. always learn. So I think it'll be fun to bring you on in a you know later this year early next year to talk about some of those early experiences.
1: And we'll talk about the total because I have a bunch of them by then. Yeah. <laughs> right. That and really matter of fact, you guys should come down here and, and do an episode here. All right.
2: That's what I was going to
1: say. That'd be fun to do sometime, do some live ones
0: out on the road. Um, So before we go, everybody, reminder, um, our next episode is scheduled for Monday, January 6th and our guest will be uh, one of the turtle room's own Casey Leone will be joining us we're going to focus specifically on uh, the terrapin nesting project that the turtle room uh, is one of the major sponsors of Um, and uh, some of our partners with that include uh, the turtle conservancy and uh, the parent terrapin nesting project Um, so uh, that's for January again Ty thank you so much Uh, Anthony, pleasure as always. Kevin, great job tonight again. And uh, (laughs) see you all in a month. Uh, Bye, guys.
2: Appreciate you guys.